Hello everyone and welcome to our second official episode of our podcast where we release an episode every month talking to a student or faculty member about something they are passionate about or knowledgeable in. This week we will be talking to our school psychologist Jeff DeTesso. We will be talking about how COVID has affected students' mental health. We talk about everything from Zoom fatigue to loss of motivation. I really hope you enjoy. So, Helen, thank you for being on this episode of our podcast. And the first question we have for you is, can you please introduce yourself and what you do at the school? Well, hello, everybody. My name is Jeff DiTesso, and I am your school psychologist. Thank you. Um, right off the bat, we just wanted to ask, um, what effect has COVID had on the administrative side of schools? What changes have been made, if any, and how were you involved in these changes? Oh my God, there's like really good questions in there. I mean, the administrative part was big. There's been a lot of administrative changes from starting just with the overall safety of the school, even thinking about down to the filters that we have in the school, to putting up those tents, to getting the heaters, to um, making sure that things were done with social distance. So the amount of administrative thought that's gone into this, and it's gone in at different levels. How are they supportive of teachers? How do they support students? All of that has gone, there's been a ton of thought into that. You may not remember this last year, but we would also meet with all of the administration and all the parents, and we would do it once a week, and the parents would, hundreds of parents would log in for mental health meetings that administration had set up. So. Um, I don't know if I answered all your questions, but there's been a lot. And how was I involved? Mm-hmm. I got asked to, you know, to help with all the mental health side of things and the social emotional functioning of all the students. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was preparing for this, I talked to a couple of students um, in the school and other schools, and a lot of them were talking about how COVID affected their um motivation in the school environment. I was wondering if you can elaborate on your experience with students losing motivation and some ways you were able to help with that. Yeah. Motivation's gone way down. You know, what we've seen overall is that there's been a huge spike in anxiety and a huge spike in depression. And so we know that overall mood has really gone through the roof. So even in this school and in my private practice, the number of depressed and anxious people I'm seeing has gone way up. And when you are anxious and depressed, what do you think happens to your motivation? It automatically goes down. And so when you have a decreased motivation, you have things like, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to do my homework. I don't want to log into Zoom. I don't want to deal with my parents. And it goes on from there. The hard part with motivation is that motivation then hits you not only in your head mentally, but in your body physically. So your body feels it too. And then the more your body feels it, the more you want to just lay in bed and do nothing. So what we have to do for people with motivation problems is get them moving. And it's like really small steps. So there's this guy way smarter than me named James Clear who always talks about think like an ant. Right? What does an ant do? It goes in, grabs a piece of dirt, it comes out, it drops the piece of dirt. It goes back in, it grabs a piece. So you can only do one thing at a time. When you lack motivation, you really, really have to do one thing at a time, but you've got to keep moving. And cognitively, you have to learn how to deal with thoughts that are telling you, don't do this. Just lay down. 
And then, of course, what does the teenage brain say? It lies to itself all the time. You ready for this? I'm going to do my work, but I'm going to do it right after I watch this YouTube video. Or I'm going to do my work, but I'm going to do it right after this Law & Order episode. And then the Law & Order episode ends and you go, oh, I'm going to do it right after the next Law & Order episode. And so the brain doesn't mean to lie to you, but it does. It promises you'll do your work, but then you get to that point and then you procrastinate. And then you don't do it. And I know I'm talking too long, but I don't believe in procrastination. I don't believe it exists. I know you're going to be like, that's crazy because I procrastinate all the time. I believe that procrastination really is a mood manager. So when you are having to face something that you don't want to do versus something that would be more enjoyable, like looking at TikTok or going on YouTube or watching Netflix, do you choose the thing that you don't want to do or do you choose the more desirable? And so really, procrastination is a mood manager and it makes you move towards the more desirable versus the less desirable. Works a pain in the neck. Watching TikTok, not so much. Anyway, I went on too long. Yeah. Um, do you think um, a lack, do you think socialization with peers might help with this kind of lack of motivation? Yes. Yes, we are so needing to be together. You know, I think part of the, the our problem is isolation. And isolation is really, really causing a problem. Mm -hmm. Humans were really not meant to be isolated. We really are herd animals, right? And so <clears throat> I think that keeping us apart is making it harder. The hard part is doing it safely. Can we do it safely? And um, if we can do it safely, then I'm all for it. Let's, let's get together. Let's spend more time. I am happy that as a high school, we are trying to move our times up and get you in here more. I'm lucky I'm here five days a week. You guys are not. But for me, it feels great to be in here five days a week because I'm around people. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, the answer to your question is 100% yes. Um, you touched a bit upon the lack of socialization being kind of harder. What exactly does lack of socialization do to a high school student's brain or their development? So socialization gives you dopamine, right? And, and our brains are all in search of dopamine. It's every time you look at a TikTok or every time you get a like on Facebook or every time you get a like on Insta, you're getting a dopamine dump. Being around friends where you go and you sit down and you're accepted and you're known and somebody smiles at you and somebody asks you a question, you're getting all of your dopamine dumps. And so we are social creatures who do depend on each other and look for that socialization. And if the brain's not getting it, it is devoid of that dopamine dump. And there's another chemical in our brain which I never talk about, which is oxytocin. Oxytocin is that, is that chemical that makes you feel like you're attracted to somebody or you like somebody or you're, you're comfortable with that person. And oxytocin makes you feel great. And so if you are alone, what are the chances that you're getting any oxytocin dumps? And the answer is you're not. And does Zoom give you that? Not really. <clears throat> at least at first it was like, okay, well, we're all going to get together on Friday night over Zoom. And that was great like once. Yeah. And the next time you're like, oh, I don't want to do it this way. Like, can't you come over? Which is why people are doing like, let's have, let's have a bonfire outside and we'll stand six feet apart, but at least we can be together. And so it's the dopamine and the oxytocin part that are playing the role. Yeah, um, it is clear that COVID and isolation is obviously affecting a wide range of people, but I was just wondering how COVID and isolation, all these effects are affecting students and high schoolers 
um, in particular with like their uh, underdeveloped brain and them still like going through development, how it affects them differently? Yeah, well, you know, we know that the, the part of the brain that's not developed is the prefrontal. The rest of their brain is all developed, mm -hmm. especially their emotional part of the brain. Mm -hmm. So their emotional brain is fully developed and going like, this stinks and I feel lonely. And the part of their brain that knows how to problem solve and manage it and control their emotions isn't developed. So then they get stuck with this part of their brain that doesn't know what to do. So what do teens end up doing? They end up making sometimes bad choices. So sometimes they are hanging out with friends and not wearing masks and not being socially safe. And, um, but of course their brain thinks, but I'll be okay because I can't get COVID or it won't hurt me or, and they just, they don't, they're not trying to hurt anybody, but they're just not always thinking straight. So that prefrontal, if it were better developed, might actually help them make better decisions, but what it would do is keep them more socially isolated. Right, so in some ways not having a prefrontal makes them less socially isolated and they go out and they want to connect. Mm -hmm. So I think it's actually happening the reverse of the way that you were imagining with that question. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that um, being isolated for a long time will have any sort of effect on the development of the prefrontal cortex? I don't. I don't. I think that the, the brain's going to develop. I just think that we're learning in different ways. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I do think that you could argue that maybe academically you're not spending as much time learning as you once were. And so people could argue that, okay, the sec my second grader or third grader isn't reading at the level that they should, that they should be. Mm -hmm. And while I agree with that, I also believe that if they get back into school full time that the brain will make that up and they'll play catch up. And maybe they won't play catch up as fast, but they'll play catch up and their brain will be good. Mm -hmm. We are not developing a um, year's worth of kids with reading disabilities. That's not gonna happen. So just because you are not getting the same reading instruction doesn't mean that lo and behold at 15 you're gonna be diagnosed with dyslexia. Just not gonna happen. The brain's gonna just go on its normal current path and it will catch you up and you'll be good. It just might be a little delayed with all of this. Um, previously, we were, meant, we were talking about um, students having trouble staying motivated, mm -hmm. and a lot of this is due to Zoom fatigue. Yeah. Um, so we were wondering if you could talk a little bit about the science behind it and how it affects specifically high schoolers. Yeah, Zoom fatigue. So in, when you're on Zoom, what, what are you using? Like, What are the predominant senses that we're using uh, our eyes that's and the ears. yeah predominantly right and so when you're looking at zoom though you're not just looking at one face how many faces are you looking at like 20. 20. yeah 20 and how quickly are your eyes scanning from face to face to face to face to face quickly quickly and the brain's trying to pick up on every social cue from every face so it's, it's going from face to face and it's like social social and so the brain is trying to pick up on this the eyes are trying to focus in, the ears are trying to listen to tone, and then you're trying to pick up on social cues from 20 faces. The eyes are scanning, scanning, scanning. It is exhausting. And the, the brain's ability to pick up on social cues on the computer is twice as hard as it is sitting in here with us talking, right? If we were on Zoom right now, it'd be harder for me to pick up on your social cues than it is with me and you in here. And so it is physically and mentally exhausting to stay on Zoom for this reason. 
And then, if you're asked to learn, and the teachers are lecturing, mm. what happens to your ability to pay attention if you have Zoom fatigue? Uh, goes down. Yeah, <laughs> goes way down. Yeah. So now you're exhausted, and you can't pay attention, and now you've just missed information. So now how do you feel about yourself as a student? Feels like stressed or disappointed. You bet. And then that builds. So now you're stressed and have Zoom fatigue and are not picking up on social pieces and you're not paying attention and you're worried you're going to fail the test because you didn't get the information. All of that builds and creates so much stress that what does the teen want to do? Let's go take a nap. Let me just get off my screen for a minute. right? I need to just close my eyes and, and that's what's going on with Zoom fatigue. If I'm a teacher, w what do I do like with my Zoom classes? Like, if I know that the students are not going to be able to learn as productively, but I still need to teach my lessons, how do I balance that whole situation? Well, that is a great question, and if you know the answer, can we write a book together? <laughs> yeah. So one of the one of the suggestions that I've had for the teachers is more breaks, and but it's not just a break where it's like five minutes off. I'd love the teachers to do breaks where they're adding in fun movement or like a stretching thing or a yoga thing or a fun game, but something that just breaks it up and gets the brain into a whole different part of the different area of the brain, different way it's thinking. And so you break it up that way. And we actually sent out to the teachers um, a list of 50 different fun activities that they could do in their mm -hmm. classrooms um, to break things up. Mm -hmm. This is a little bit um, unrelated. But I'm just curious about it. Do you think some teachers are struggling with learning how to teach differently in such a different age of teaching? I think that, you know, if teachers have been teaching, if anybody's been doing something in a certain way for their whole life, it's hard to just change up how you're going to do it. So we know that changing a pattern is always hard, right? Any, any type of pattern. And so I would imagine that all of our teachers, every single one of them has struggled a little bit with doing it differently on Zoom. Mm -hmm. I had never done therapy on Zoom. Mm -hmm. I had to learn how to do therapy on Zoom. It is a whole different animal doing therapy on Zoom because yeah. I can't see everything. In the room, I can see your movements. I can see your eye movements. I can see what your eyebrows are doing. I can see your body movement. All of that means and is helpful to me. <clears throat> so I think we're all adjusting and adapting, and I think teachers are tired. And I think teachers have Zoom fatigue. And I think we don't often think about what they're going through and their struggle and what their life is like at home. And do they have kids? And how do they manage that? And you know, how worried are they about COVID? So we've got all these other layers on our adults that we don't always spend enough time thinking about. Um, we've been talking a lot about these different problems that students and teachers have been facing, mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the best ways to kind of combat the Zoom fatigue and lack of motivation, aside from breaks? Besides breaks? So you know what you're going to hear from me, right? Mindfulness. Mindfulness, right. <laughs> so we'll start with mindfulness. I won't go into detail about mindfulness, but mindfulness is really an important piece. Um, <clears throat> it doesn't have to be meditation. You know, it can just be something like, paying attention to your feet on the floor or you know playing with a stress ball or something like that which is quick but I also believe that movement is super important mm -hmm. so that movement has to be whether it's walking or stretching or yoga or jogging or whatever but something that gets your brain physically moving mm -hmm. if you don't the blood tends to not 
move. We want the blood moving, right? And so I would really recommend that everybody moves more, breathes more, does more mindfulness. Um, and look, what I, what I always recommend to people is make a list of your 10 favorite activities. Could be coloring, could be breathing, could be yoga, could be listening to certain music, could be a Netflix thing, could be an app on your phone, but make a list of 10. Write that list on your phone. And when you need a break or when you need to do something, open up your phone and go, oh, I can pick from any of these 10. And then go do one of them. Take five or 10 minutes and go do one of those. That is super helpful because a lot of times kids will be like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I always say, great, take out your phone. Look at your list of 10. Oh, yeah. I can color. Great. Go color. Color for 10 minutes. So that's what I would recommend. So, obviously, different generations, different people go through different things. But this is quite a large event that affected a lot of people our age. And I was just curious what, how will this affect? event change our generation almost? How will it make us act differently? Will it make us act differently in the long term? Great question. I'm thinking. <laughs> of course. I'm thinking. How will it impact us in the future? Mm -hmm. Hmm. I don't know that there's going to be any kind of um, real neurological or biological changes, although maybe um, our bodies will adjust to this virus and maybe there'll be some of those in terms of like an immune system change. But I do wonder if people, when COVID ends, will really appreciate everything that they lost for the last year and a half to two years. Mm -hmm. And when they come out of that, I wonder if people will really appreciate the simplicity of eating dinner with people that you love and enjoy without a mask on. or something as simple as contact that we can't do, something as simple as a hug that they might begin to appreciate. I do think that in terms of the future, there'll be other things that will also get impacted. I do think people will have a greater fear of germs. Mm -hmm. And I worry that there'll be OCD-ish things that come out of that, from hand washing to mask wearing to cleanliness. Um, out of fear of, you know, contracting something in the future. So I worry about that. I worry about mental health pieces in the future. I wonder what the long-term effects will be of the anxiety and the depression that's gone so far up. Um, I worry about kids who are in junior and senior years of high school and college and what that means for them because they've missed some really important parts of their life. You know, my son's a 22-year-old senior in college and I don't know if he's going to, he's going to graduate, but I don't know if he's going to celebrate his graduation. All the kids last year who graduated, that didn't get to celebrate their graduation. We were lucky at Country Day because we had 13 kids. So because we had 13 kids, we could actually have a graduation celebration. What other school in this area had one? Right, so we were lucky. But so many things were taken away that I worry about um, overall loss. We've just experienced so much loss. And it doesn't even mean the loss of a loved one, but there's been plenty of that. But there's just been loss of activity and loss of connection and, and loss of time and loss of touch and just too much loss. So I'm more worried about maybe the emotional ramifications of it in the future. So 
I think we might want to wrap it up here. Just to conclude, do you think, what are some of the best resources for students to reach to if they have any problems that they want to talk about? You know, students, <clears throat> I would really encourage them to look at several different resources. And, and I'm not thinking like reading resources or even online. I'm thinking who are, who are the trusted people in their lives? So is it, do they have a trusted adult? Is it their parents? Is it a best friend? Is it um, the school psychologist? Is it, a, is it an adult teacher that they really are connected? Do they like their advisor? So I'm, I'm really big into reaching out and connecting with those important people in your life. In terms of um, like online stuff or um, I don't know, reading materials, I would look up under either the American Psychological Association, the APA, they have really good stuff out there. The National Association of School Psychology, NASP, has really good resources out there. And so those would be two really good places to begin because they're real research-based information. Um, I don't know, maybe that people can listen to these really cool podcasts that Greenwich Country Day School <laughs> students put on. I think that would be a really good resource. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope you learned a little bit about how COVID has affected students' mental health. If you want to be on the podcast or maybe even have an idea of who you want to see, please go check your email because I sent out an email to all the faculty and students with a form that you can fill out. Um, again, thank you so, so, so much to Jack for being on this podcast episode and teaching us so much. And we have a lot of exciting things um, coming up in the future.